He allows different seasons in our lives and those seasons are all refining us and restoring and strengthening our relationship with him. So keeping that in mind, praying for understanding and wisdom. Andrea, I'm excited to have you here again for the Life Beyond the Picket Fence podcast. Thanks for having me again, and hello, everyone. And we're excited to share the second half to Andrea's story. And if you didn't listen to the first half, I encourage you to go back and listen to episode one of season four, which is um, my interview with Andrea about life's disappointments. And just to give a quick recap, um, Andrea, you shared about disappointments of infertility. Uh, with the result of really not having any type of medical solution for that, that other um, couples may have. And then you shared about an adoption that you hoped would happen with a particular child who um, actually was able to be adopted by a family member rather than you and your husband, correct? Yes. And then we talked about a devastating disappointment right on top of all of that, which was the loss of several thousands of dollars and your hope in a pretty reputable adoption agency that went bankrupt. Yes, that is true. Again, I shared in the prior podcast that I'm so encouraged by your authenticity and your honesty about coming to God with your feelings your disappointments, your anger. And as we start off part two to your story, just bring us up to speed a little bit of how you dealt with all of those disappointments that really were a low point for you when you were uncertain of what the end of your story was going to be. Yeah. So I think we kind of ended last time with um, our adoption agency filing bankruptcy no ability for my husband and I to get any of that money back. So we were kind of at a place where we didn't know exactly what was next. Um, We had exhausted pretty much all of our savings and money into this adoption agency. Um, We had gotten a pretty hard no um, for being able to have children together biologically. And I just started praying um, that instead of hoping for a problem-free life, that I really would be able to rejoice in the troubles that I had because they were really drawing me closer to God. And I was really feeling God's presence very heavily in my life around that time. Okay. So wait a minute. You were talking about rejoicing in the troubles that you have. That's not a message that anyone really hears in today's Christian culture anymore. Tell me more about what it felt like or looked like to rejoice in your, in your troubles. It was hard. Um, I think that for me, that looked like having a routine, even when I didn't want to spend time with God that I did. Um, I, I was pretty stringent on getting up, praying, spending time in, in the Bible and God's word, even when I didn't really feel like it. And I think that's, that's really what God used to draw me near to him because I found examples and passages 
throughout scripture where other people have dealt with hard things too. And God really draws near to us during those times. And that's really how we develop, um, how we develop a stronger relationship with him. So rejoicing in your troubles isn't going around with a happy face on saying, oh, I'm so, I'm so happy. No, it, it doesn't really matter that we just lost $10,000 in a botched uh, adoption attempt or that we've had these other losses. It truly is finding a joy that resides in the Holy Spirit dwelling in us that draws us to God through his word becoming practical and applicable to our lives. Yes, that's exactly right. So you had shared that you were already in the process of becoming licensed foster care parents in the effort to adopt um, a child who you were not able to adopt through foster care. Tell us how God had already set that in motion for what was going to happen in the next part of your story. Yeah, so we, we were a little hesitant to do traditional foster care especially at the very beginning of our journey toward adoption. Um, we had many people who told us, just adopt, just foster to adopt, just do foster care. Um, and that really wasn't a helpful response for us. Um, there is no such thing as an easy route to parenthood in any way, but especially when you're, when you're going through infertility issues. And so we at least had the sense to know that this wasn't going to be an easy journey. Um, so we spent some time talking with our caseworker and we shared our hesitancies with her. And she said, why don't we give it a try? Um, so we did. We became foster care licensed in early July of 2016. And two weeks later, we accepted our first foster care placement, a five-month-old baby girl. Um, ironically, I had worked a night shift the night before, so my husband was the one who got the call and said yes to that first foster care placement. Um, I was still sleeping when they pulled up into our driveway and he woke me up. So I had about a three minute warning mm -hmm. that I was going to become a mom mm -hmm. for the first time. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. A lot of times people enter foster care with being fully stocked. Where did you have any, um, any necessities for her as a five month old girl coming into your home? Um, we had had some, my sister-in-law had actually had a foster care um, baby shower for us. And we had just asked for um, both boy and girl gender clothing, different sizes. So we did have some things. Okay, good. And so how long did you have that placement? And was that the only foster child that you had? We had her for two weeks shy of a year. She went home to her family the following July. And throughout that process, we really came to love foster care and the benefits that it can have for a birth family. Um, it was a very good, happy, peaceful reunification with her and her biological family. And we were really happy that she was able to return home to them. Okay, good. But I know that you have a five-year-old and a three-year-old who are part of your family right now. So where did they come into the picture? So 
two weeks after we accepted that first foster care placement, we got another foster care placement, a 15-month-old little boy. We actually met him on a Friday, and we got a second crib that Friday night, and he came to live with us um, on the next day, Saturday. So within three weeks, you went from being not a parent at all to having a five-month-old and a 15-month-old. Yes. What was that like? It was a crazy ride. Um, I remember um, Aiden, I'll share his name because he is our son now. Um, I remember I was trying to feed our five-month-old little girl and Aiden was pulling diapers out of the diaper box. And I just thought to myself, what have we gotten ourselves into yeah. right now? <laughs> so um, that's such a beautiful picture though of being very present and being a person in their life. Um, what I know about foster care as a service provider is that maybe the risk of doing foster care is that when you're hoping to have children to be your part of your forever family, there's really not a lot of guarantees along the pathway that the ones that you're fostering will be in your family. And I think there's always that um, hesitancy or fear or level of uncertainty of what happens when this changes? What happens? Um, did you struggle with any of that? I did. I definitely did. Pretty early on with our first placement, it was fairly apparent that she was going to be going back home to her biological family. But um, with Aiden, that wasn't necessarily the case all the time. Um, there was times when it really seemed like he would return home to his biological family. And there was times where it really seemed like he was going to stay with us. And so that was really an up and down journey. It really tugged at our emotions a lot. You've talked about your relationship with God along your journey so far. Where was God in that part of the journey? I really had to set some boundaries and I really had to wake up every day knowing that these kids are not my own. Ultimately, they're God's kids and whether he chooses to leave them in our home forever or whether they go back to their biological families, he has their best interest at heart. And so I really had to focus on that, draw, draw near to that and remember that. I will just say that Andrea, I remember talking to your mom during this time at church and she was always keeping me updated on your placement and kind of where you were at. And for those who didn't join us in the session one of the podcast is um, Andrea and I have been connected since her birth. Uh, she's a, the daughter of a really good friend of mine and um, our kids played together growing up. And then she was a student of mine while I taught junior high and high school. And then I became um, your baptism kind of mentor. And I've always was able to kind of keep track of what was going on in your life and things and um, would touch base with you. And um, you were able to have the paperwork kind of in play in order to adopt Aiden at a certain time. How old was he when that happened? Well, um, actually before that happened, we then welcomed into our family his younger sister who was born. 
Um, so that was the following year. We welcomed Audrey into our home. We brought her home from the hospital as a two-day-old little girl. Um, and that actually happened to be, she was born 11 days after my mom passed away. Right. So that actually, um, I guess I was wanting to kind of bring us to that part of the story. So I, forgive me, I asked the question in the wrong sequence because I was, was thinking kind of some of that paperwork was, was in process. So let me just set the stage um, for our listeners. So Andrew, you had become a mom um, to a five-month-old and a 15-month-old and were parenting them. And then almost um, right around the time of your 20, 28th, 28th birthday, so. that's what I thought, um, your mom unexpectedly died. She did. She actually died the day after my birthday. Um, so I spent that birthday night in the hospital with her and she died the next day. Um, and then 11 days after that, Audrey was born mm -hmm. and we brought her home two days later. And so at that point we had three kids age two and under three kids in diapers and that built in support system. Um, one of my best friends, um, my, one of my biggest prayer warriors was um, taken from my life pretty suddenly. Uh, my mom had had some chronic illnesses that were stable, and her death didn't directly have anything to do with those illnesses that she had suffered from. And so it was a pretty sudden and unexpected death um, when she was taken from us. And that was really hard to process. Um, she loved being a grandma um, to our first placement and then Aiden. She was our main babysitter. And so it was really hard. And it was really hard to know that um, she would have loved to be there when Audrey was born to help and things like that. And she wasn't able to be there for that. And I think that that's just part of your story that is really powerful to me. Um, thinking of, I know um, my husband's mom passed away when when I was about the same age and um, had a full family. She was a our support system, and I just um, was also devastated too in knowing that as a young mom, you not only had your hands full and had already suffered so much grief and loss, but then to have um, your mom passed away unexpectedly with even without a, a broader kind of support network. Um, your, your family's fairly small. Mm -hmm. And so there weren't sisters there to kind of um, kind of come alongside and some of those things. How did, what got you through those weeks of grief? Um, we really leaned into each other as a couple, I think. And I had to be pretty open with my husband um, when I needed a break from the kids when I just needed an hour or a minute or time spent in the closet by myself, mm -hmm. things like that. Um, he, he was very, very ready to deal with that with me as a couple. Um, and then since we didn't have that kind of built-in childcare type all the time, we invested in daycare for the kids for a long time. 
Um, our first placement at that point was doing long visits with her biological family. So she was gone for most of the day, um, which is pretty typical as you're working your way back to um, reunification. And um, the younger two, sometimes I really just needed to wallow in my grief for a little bit, spend time with God, um, cry out to him and pray, which I couldn't always do when they were around and I was needing to care for those physical needs that need met with young children. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really tried to identify self-care needs that I needed and come up with a way practically that we could meet those. And so daycare really met that need for us for a long time. And initially I felt some shame in that. I felt like you've wanted these kids for so long. Why are you so quick to get rid of them? But I realized quickly that I'm a much better mom, wife, and even nurse employee when I have taken the time to take care of myself. I think you nailed it. I think as moms and as women, we feel guilty or we feel shame. Uh, Recently, I talked about the term life care rather than self-care because I think self-care kind of conjures up ideas of just getting pedicures or, you know, drinking wine or going out with your friends when really it is more about taking care of your life. What suggestions or help would you give to moms who are struggling Um, you had the potential to really, really struggle during that time. I think anyone who would experience all of those factors together of grief that is very raw and very um, present, plus the overwhelm of having a newborn and you had three very small children, but they, they weren't your own. So you were meeting their needs in a way that really is very complicated in a, in a lot of ways. Um, what words of encouragement would you give to, to any woman, really no matter what age, but especially to young women, young moms who are really in a place of feeling overwhelmed, maybe even depressed, struggling with anxiety or feelings of where is God and how are you going to get through this? I talked about earlier when I didn't a lot of times want to spend time with God because I felt angry sometimes, but continuing to draw near to him, despite those feelings, drawing near to your faith and knowing that he doesn't withhold anything good from us. He allows different seasons in our lives and those seasons are all refining us and restoring and strengthening our relationship with him. So keeping that in mind, praying for understanding and wisdom. Um, Practically, some of those needs can be met by taking time for yourself. For me, that might look like getting up early when the house might be quiet, but I know that's not always the case for everyone. So for someone else, it might be in the middle of the night while you're breastfeeding or doing a diaper change, Um, just really tuning into your needs and what you need from your family and being willing to communicate those needs to your spouse if you have a spouse or um, your support system who's there for you. 
do you want to just share with us how your story has ended and maybe just one or two principles that you would like to leave with our audience as you kind of reflect on um, the disappointments that in the moment can be debilitating, but then as you're able to look back at your story, um, what are some words of encouragement you would leave with listeners? Yeah, so we did end up adopting our two kids, Aiden and Audrey. Um, Aiden's five as we're recording this, and Audrey's three. And they're the cutest kids ever, <laughs> if I do say so myself. Oh, thank you. We That happened um, December 21st of 2018, so about six years after we initially started to grow our family is when... Um, our family became complete, or at least complete for now, with our, our two kiddos. So it's been a long journey. It was a long journey to get there. Um, lots and lots of up and downs, uh, lots of trials. But I think if we look at the storms in our lives as something joyful that's going to draw us closer to God, that's really how I try to look at trials that I go through. Um, during a storm, if we only look at the branches of a tree, it really looks like the tree is going to fall. But if we look at the trunk of the tree, we'll see that it's safely rooted. And if we similarly root ourselves in Jesus, rather than focusing on all the negativity around us, all the trials that we're going through, um, I'm not saying it's going to be all rosy and <laughs> you're going to get through life without any ups and downs, but it's definitely going to make it a lot easier to get through those trials. I love that picture. It's a picture of resiliency, really. And resiliency is something that is not up in the forefront of our culture. I think of your work even now as a, co as a COVID nurse. Um, you're on the front lines of the pandemic and even just that in itself can be weary and tiring. And so I just want to give a shout out to you, um, but also the principles that you have shared for us today of that image of knowing what your needs are and then communicating those needs to those around you and then making sure that those needs are met. Because whether you're a stay-at-home mom or a grandma or um, not a mom, but you are a caregiver in a variety of ways, whether it's through your profession or just through your own ministry of caring for others' hearts and souls, we cannot give when we're depleted. And we never know what is coming up. Um, none of those things that have happened, the disappointments in your life, could you have anticipated as you were that high school student um, thinking about your life five or 10 years down the road as you had shared in the first episode? Um, any last words of wisdom before we finish our time together? I think a few more things that are easier things that you can do would really be to set some boundaries. Um, when I was initially um, going through kind of the beginning stages of infertility, I had a lot of friends announcing their pregnancies and things like that. As a friend, it was really, I had I had a couple really gracious friends who before they announced their pregnancies to the world, they told me privately, and I had the time to deal with all of those emotions that I felt, my happiness for them, but also my isolation, my loneliness, my abandonment feelings. Um, I could deal with those 
independently before I had to put on a brave face Mm -hmm. and be happy for them. Um, So as a friend to someone dealing with infertility, texting or leaving them a voicemail sometimes is the best way to give them that announcement. Um, And then as the person dealing with infertility, there were several baby showers that I just couldn't physically bring myself to attend. And I think that that was not because I wasn't happy with them, but I really just was setting boundaries and identifying what was going to be too hard for me to, to go through during that season. Those are really good tips. I think um, I'm a big proponent of boundaries. Uh, anyone who has been familiar with my ministry knows that um, too bad Townsend and Cloud don't have affiliate links for <laughs> boundaries because I refer their information all the time, but um, boundaries are incredibly important for our protection and safety. And I think it even helps relationships also, as, as you mentioned, Andrew, you have a good tribe of friends around you. That's something I really um, have seen grow in your life, but also in your friend group. And having that authenticity to share with others is incredibly important. We want to thank everyone for joining us for this episode of the Life Beyond the Picket Fence podcast. Be sure to listen to episode one so you hear all of the ups and downs, but also words of encouragement that Andrea shared. We also want to encourage you to sign up for my newsletter that comes out, the Life Beyond the Picket Fence newsletter. You can do that if you're going to brendayoder.com and filling in any of the pop-up forms that are there. You also receive an ebook called 10 Ways Women can find rest and get a prayer sheet and five ways to heal hurt. Also feel free to join me on Instagram at Brenda Yoder speaks or on Facebook at Brenda Yoder speaker. I encourage you to join us on the next episode of the life beyond the pick events podcast. I think the kids have reached their limit. (laughs) I think so too. (laughs) Thank you friends. Uh, We'll talk to you soon.